Welcome to Swish Theory, it's the podcast brought to you by Chris Amundsen and my uh, co-host Lero Golden. Uh, we are so excited to bring this this new podcast to you. Uh, one of the things that Lero and I want to do with Swish Theory is really bring to the forefront voices in basketball that you're not used to hearing. I know that you know this is a business-based league, not only in basketball itself, but the media surrounding it. And you don't always get to hear people that really know ball, that really love basketball and appreciate this beautiful game, um, but that aren't in a position to make money off of it or don't have you know a huge Twitter following or just aren't in a position of prominence where their voices are heard all the time. And we really want to change that. We want to you know, bring to the forefront those people who really do um, have something to share with us. And so what Laro and I are going to do with the show is – um, bring people on that you haven't heard of, really focus on teams and players, schemes, uh, a lot of on, on the court stuff rather than off the court drama. Uh, we may touch on those things a little bit, but we really want to focus on things you're not going to hear anywhere else. And especially if you want to know more about a specific team that you don't get to watch all the time, that you can get some really in-depth analysis from either Lara and myself or the guests that we bring on for that team. So we're really excited to bring this to you. I wanted to allow my co-host, Laro Golden, to introduce himself and tell you a little bit about, about who he is and kind of what, what he brings to the table, not only as a person, because you're an amazing person, uh, but some of that basketball knowledge as well. So, Laro, take, take it away, man. Hey, how y'all doing? Um, so, first of all, Chris, brother, that was amazing, man. I appreciate that. You know, I, I appreciate you uh, letting the people know that I'm a good person. I, I try to be. Um, it's what I strive for. But, uh, man, like as my co-host, my brother Chris said, um, I'm Laro. That, that's what I, that's my nickname. But uh, people may see me on Twitter as Larry Golden. Um, that, that's me. Um, I am a basketball coach in real life. Um, I do have a regular job outside of that. But basketball has always been that one passion, that one thing that you know, when there's a lot of noise outside, I could just literally just sit down and put on some film or watch a watch a game and it's, it just gets silent. I'm able to just lock in to the to the game. And and uh, I, that's what I kind of want to bring to you guys, us, what we want to bring. Right. When there's there's things going on, you could pop on Chris and Lero, the switch theory um, as a as a whole um, and um, just feel like you're able to get away and read our read our stuff. Listen to us. Because the biggest thing for us is, is like we want to be an outlet where you can get away from the hot takey, the the, you know, always talking about the off the court things like, yes, some of those things are newsy, newsworthy. But we kind of want to get away from that. We want to kind of break down the game from the X's and O's standpoint. We want to teach, you know, some people that want to learn more. We want to do that by bringing on great guests that can that may not be well known, but they they should be. And we want to do our best, do to the the best uh, to, of our ability to get those people out there more in, um, in helping you guys become better, uh, better basketball minds. Or if you're already a great basketball mind, just listening to some great basketball talk, you know. And that's what we want to bring most of, most of all is info, informative, fun, you know, fun episodes of of good talk. So it, this is uh, this is going to be fun. And I hope that you guys are going to, you know, pop in, uh, download us, whatever it is, and and just, you know, give us a listen, give us feedback, because we we truly want to make this the best thing that you guys could listen to on the market. 
Uh, appreciate that. Laro uh, is a great basketball mind, great coach, and I know I'm excited to learn from you. You know, uh, as I as I said, my name is Chris Amundsen. I came to the basketball game late. I, I'm an attorney. I did not really get into basketball until I was in law school. And so I feel very much a student of the game, very, very new to a lot of different things. So I'm excited to learn. And I've learned so much from Laro as we, uh, we, we did a show before, um, you know, for, for the Barroom Network in, in Chicago Bulls area. And now we're kind of going league wide and we really want to expand our knowledge. And so I'm really excited to learn from Laro, learn from our guests and hopefully be able to teach some things myself. And so, you know, we're going to get right into it. We, we don't want to waste any time. We, we don't do a little intros, but the, the fun's going to begin. So we're going to bring on our first guest and we're going to talk about the New York Knicks. And I'm really excited to talk about the Knicks uh, with our friend today because they are a team that's kind of like right down the middle. They've got some great young guys. They've got some some proven talent. But the East is such that, you know, that they're kind of right in the play-in picture. They could tank if they wanted to. So I'm really excited to dig in and see what the Knicks are all about, what their offseason additions are going to bring. And so we're going to we're going to bring on our guests. So let's bring them on without further ado. All right. Now let's welcome on our first guest on the Swish Theory pods, Oscar underscore hoops. He's a, a writer for the Strickland and also a contributor at the Off the Ball Network. And we're lucky to announce that Oscar is also a contributor at Swish Theory and a big Knicks fan, which is a, the subject of today's episode. So Oscar, welcome. How are you doing, man? Good to see you. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I didn't know it was the first episode. It's kind of a big honor, but um, yeah. Happy You're the only one here. we could have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm excited to get on and yeah, talk about my Knicks. Yeah, man. There was there was no other guest uh, we really wanted to have to talk about the Knicks other than you. I and mean, obviously, you're you're a big draft guy, mm. and um, we're really excited to have you. At Swish Theory, and uh, we're ready to talk about some Knicks. You ready to talk about some Knicks, Laro? Yeah, man. I mean, um, before we get to the Knicks, man, I just want to say how excited I am to have Oscar on, on our team, man, because. Ever since I like started doing this, the draft Twitter thing and, and just watching a lot of prospects like Oscar was someone that would always pop up either from retweets or somebody that I that I follow liking this stuff. And fast forward to I think I don't know how long ago it was, maybe a month or so ago, like I, I read that Gene Montero piece. Mm, yeah. My goodness. Like. Talk about. Just in-depth just clear eye for detail like just just beautiful stuff man so it's like yeah man i mean i'm, I'm excited to have him the brother is is he's got the eye for everything uh, on the court he's got a great mind of, for basketball um and he's on our team baby like you know hey so i'm, I'm very very happy about this man so um yeah i'm ready to talk some Knicks now man and we, we got the sickos together for this special occasion here <laughs> it's funny as i as we started i introduced oscar i i i miss i meant to say he was the best person for it and i actually said you're the only person we could get which is not what i meant to say <laughs> so <laughs> the listeners are already been like wow he's it. already dissing this guy five <laughs> you know five seconds into the into the podcast yeah that's uh that was not how i meant to phrase that so i apologize <laughs> let's talk about the knicks so they they finished 37 and 45 last year they were 23rd on offense they're 11th on defense. 
they were the fourth seed the year before they had they lost in the first round to the Atlanta Hawks. Really exciting team. Uh, Julius Randle made second, I think he was second team all NBA. Uh, and he was well deserving. He had just a phenomenal season. RJ Barrett, you know, took a step forward. And then last season, they kind of took a little bit of a step back. I think it was unexpected by a, a lot of fans. I know I, I talked with uh, some of your associates at Strickland about, you know, preseason basically about where we thought the the Knicks would would rank in the East. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Oscar, about about last season, about what you thought kind of went right, what went wrong, and you know what they did to address some of those things this off season. So I think after the um, the breakout season with the fourth seed, um, there were a lot of elements um, of that breakout that might not have been the most sustainable. Um, we heard all year like that the three point defense was. A little fluky and how if we you know if you adjusted the numbers for um how many threes should be going in they were like the 12th best defense instead of the second or whatever um and then also with the randall shot making stuff i mean i don't think anyone was expecting him to be as bad as he was last year but i i also don't think it was fair to him to, for, uh, for to expect him to still be you know an all-world shooter um last season. So I think going into it, you were expecting some natural regression, but you were hoping that that would be offset by, you know, adding Fournier um, and then just internal development, right? Like, cause this rotation is still so young um, with OB, RJ, IQ, like those are three integral pieces to the rotation and all of them were going into what their sub 20, age 24 seasons. So um, yeah, you were, you were expecting, at least a playoff season, right? I mean, that has to be the goal after a four seed. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything that could have gone wrong did. I don't think that's an exaggeration, <laughs> you know. Between, no, I mean, uh, yeah. The Kemba Walker thing, first of all, like that, right. that yeah. was, uh, I think people were pretty high on that. I know there was some, some concern about his health level and where he was at physically in, in general and, and how he would mesh with the Knicks. But that experiment did not last very long, it seemed like. Yeah, I think I think with Kemba, um, you were just expecting a little bit more juice off the dribble, um, and it was pretty clear from like the first few games of the season that he's just a pull-up shooter at this point in his career. Like you, you were he he was providing basically no rim pressure on a team where that was the biggest issue the year before. Like there were way too many possessions. Um, where the initial action just kind of fizzled out and then Randall would run an ISO with nine seconds left on the shot clock, right? Um, so he didn't really address the main problem with the team. And I don't I don't think he was like horrible or anything, like at least offensively, like Kemba should be on the team right now, I think, but um, it just wasn't worth playing him when he was such a negative defensively. Um, and yeah, by mid season, you could tell the season was kind of not looking, not looking good, and they uh, they went to IQ. I, I I totally agree with you on on the the Kimba not being bad offensively. Like uh like I think he still shot like thirty six percent from three or something like that. And I'm usually not a big advanced advanced stats guy. Like obviously I'm not like against it or anything like that. I'm not one of those guys, but I don't like 
I, I, I like to talk about like the scheme and stuff like that. So, but like, if you just take a look at like his assist percentage to his turnover percentage, that's, that was still good. I mean, he was still under 12% uh, turnover um, percentage and he was 20, 22 or somewhere around there with his assist percentage. So, I mean, he was still giving you something. And like I said, I, I, I think you're correct. I think he should probably maybe still be on a team at this point. Um, I think he could be a good, nice piece off the bench. Um, some nice pull-up shooting. Like you can always use some some pull-up shooting, especially in today's game in the pick and roll game where bigs, you know, teams are playing drop still. So you can probably still get them um, with, with a couple pull-ups here and there, and you can still pass it a bit. But like you said, man, it was that 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 Charlotte Kimba like getting to the cup off the bounce you know, creating looks for his teammates. Like you were, you were kind of missing that. And, and I, I, I like you said, I, I just think that he just didn't have it anymore. He didn't have that juice. Um, so that really kind of hurt. And I think that's why they really, really depended on Derek so much at, at a point because Derek still could kind of get downhill a bit. And of course he's still, he's not that explosive dunk it put it on your head guy he he once was but he still has enough burst to really make a defense kind of collapse a bit and kick it out to shooters or get to the basket get fouled and finish at the rim the problem is with Derek is it's like how often can you expect it from him now and it's not something where you can come down the floor toss it to him you can get into it every time down the floor and, and he could break a defense down right away it's kind of like now it's like okay he's getting older he can still give it to you but you kind of want to watch out for it and 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 then when he would go to the bench, it's like ah, God, like who who else can we get that ball to to, to kind of attack and get downhill? Um, and man, that's where the Kimba thing kind of hurt a lot, man. So I totally agree with you guys on, on where you're heading with this Kimba stuff, man. Um, and and like you said, I I I already said it, but I totally agree. He should probably still have a shot uh, on somebody's roster. Yeah, they just had a little bit too much reliance, I think, on him. And and you saw. Larry, to your point about Derrick Rose, you saw the juxtaposition when he was on the floor and healthy versus when he was injured and on the floor. It was night and day what, what the New York Knicks were able to do offensively. And I think that's why Jalen Brunson's signing in New York is such a revelation for them on the offensive end because, as you, as you guys said, you know, Randall and RJ, um, they, they didn't run pick and roll a lot together. And a lot of possessions ended in one-on-ones. It's what's there, you know, Randall was really good two years ago in those situations. You know, I think, and I think RJ's taking steps forward as an offensive player. And I think he's going to be pretty good this year, but you need to juice your offense with a little bit more. You need to get those guys starting their possession with the, with the defense that's already tilted. And Brunson really allows you to do that because he can get downhill. He's so good in the lane. He makes good decisions. He's a, He's kind of like that Derrick Rose and the, and the idea of what Kemba Walker could do for them. But I think he gives you all those things across the board. He's a starting caliber point guard. And the New York Knicks haven't had one of those for a long, long time, it seems like. And I don't know why people were balking at the price because I think, I think, it, was a great, I think it was a great deal for, uh, for the Knicks. So what, if you, what did you like or dislike about the Brunson sign-in? And what have you seen so far, um, you know, the changes that, that he's brought to the Knicks offense? Yeah, um, I I, uh, I watched the preseason games um, to prep for this pod, and it was it was just jarring to see a point guard who could get into the lane <laughs> consistently um, in a Knicks uniform. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's been so long since they've had that, and I think um, 
Brunson will be so important for a lot of different players on the Knicks roster. I think RJ is maybe um, the guy who will be most affected by Brunson um, because really since RJ's been um, a Nick, he hasn't really had um, a, a really above average rim pressure to play with. And for a wing like RJ, who um, his, his athletic profile maybe isn't the most conducive to like creating his own angles to attack, um, but like attacking off the catch with his strength um, and his crafts, you know, theoretically would be a great fit, but we just haven't seen it. Um, so I'm really excited to see RJ playing off of Brunson's gravity this season. Yeah, I, I, man, Oscar, it's so fun talking to you, brother, because like you bring up bring up a great point in terms of, you know, getting downhill and and tilt to some defenses and making RJ, and that's the that's what it boils down to. You know what I mean? I think so many people like try to make the game harder than, and, and okay, let me let me. I don't want to discredit like anybody, but what I'm trying to say is, it's like yes. You want to look at, you know, what a player can do well and things like that. But when it boils down to it, it's like you just want a like a, a ball handler that can get in the paint, get paint touches, that can make the defense get into rotation and make your teammates better. And that is what Jalen's going to do. He's going to be able to get into the paint, get into his little Villanova, you know, two foot jump stop, reverse pivot, you know, fade away jumper, or he's going to find somebody, you know, and um I mean, RJ, I thought he I thought he took a leap last year and especially offensively. And I mean, dude, did he had to he had to he had to work for a lot of them buckets now. Um, and now with 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 Jalen, him being able to, you know, Jalen coming off a you know, picking side side ball screen, getting into the paint and drawing help, skipping it over to RJ and allowing him to attack a closeout. Come on, man. Like that's going to be fun for Knicks fans. Um, it's going to be, you know, and like you said, theoretically, um, you know, you, you haven't seen it consistently and they, the season hasn't started yet, but theoretically that's going to be fun for a lot of Knicks fans um, to see some more, you know, team ball. And um, like, I, I'm really excited, man, to, to watch this team uh, because like I'm a big Jalen Brunson guy. Um, he's a, he's around, he's from around my area in, in Illinois. So I've always uh, kept up with him and it's cool to see him kind of take off in his career and get a big, big old contract. And, and now he's playing in the big apple, you know, playing some good ball and he's going to be a big part of the team. So I'm, I'm ready to see um, this team and how he can make everybody better, you know? Um, and real quick before, before I, you know, pass it over to my brother, Chris is like one of the things, and I, and Chris alluded to this as well. It's like, they don't run a lot of action, between their stars in terms of mm -hmm. like like with the bulls right in that, you've seen it a lot in um this season they're running a lot of action where vooch zach and damar are the main three pieces in action and they're creating easier looks for each other and for the teammates just from doing that you look at uh, i pointed out a couple plays with the brooklyn nets where you know they get to a horn set and, you know, pass it on over to the one of the elbows and you get KD coming off, you know, uh, a, a dribble handoff and getting downhill. And you got Ben rolling on the opposite side. There's a lob there. And it's like the, you're, you're creating havoc with putting your three best players in action um, and making teams have to, you know, worry about what they have to do next. So it'd be really cool to see Julius, RJ and Jalen in some somewhere like, you know, whether it's just a double double drag or 
you know, some some type of double fist low or double fist high or some, something where all three of them are in there together. Um, I would love to see that. 100%. I would love to see them in a Spain pick and roll, for example. I think those three players would be really fun in a Spain pick and roll. And as you said, Laro, the kind of the action before the action is what I want to see creatively from from tips and that that i'm not sure if that's going to happen right i'm not sure if that's going to happen with tips but i think that's where where brunson can really maximize what rj and what uh, what randall can do uh, against those tilted defenses if you can get brunson if you can get brunson going downhill with a with a tilted defense because of some of those kind of actions to set up the pick and roll where he's already kind of in movement and the defense is already in rotation that's going to just make that that's going to make that offense hum and i think i think you guys both mentioned it but the pace of the Knicks, that kind of one-on-one that end of shot clock kind of uh you know where, where the guys just taking tough shots that has to be minimized i think as much as possible with the Knicks, especially with rj especially with julius randall i think those guys are are good at that but if you really want to be better than a top half offense which i think they should they should really be shooting for this season. You're going to have to do, you're going to have to keep that ball in rotation. You're going to have to keep that, that ball moving. And they now have a guy in Brunson and a guy in Derek Rose and also Emmanuel quickly that can, that can, you know, be the engine of that for you all 48 minutes on the court. And and that's something that we haven't seen before with the Knicks. And that's why I think that Derek Rose made such a huge stark difference is because Alfred Payton and, you know, and all the Knicks mm. in the past just couldn't do that stuff. And RJ and Julius Randle aren't quick enough. They, they can play some volleyball, but they're not creating those advantages in the same way that a really, really quality point guard can. And so I would love to see that. I think, I think Randall's going to, uh, I think Randall's going to benefit from it. I also want to see some inverted pick and rolls with Brunson. Mm-hmm. I know Brunson did a lot of that with Luca in Dallas last year mm-hmm. and, and it was, it was pretty effective. So anything you can do to keep the defenses guessing against a Knicks offense that I think all too often was a little bit predictable last season. Um, are you, are you looking for anything like that? Or, or do you think that uh, have you, what have you seen in, in preseason Oscar that's kind of made you excited about some of those possibilities? Yeah. Um, so just like on the Twitter TL, I, um, I didn't watch the game li- games live, um, but I saw people saying that Tibbs was like experimenting with all this, all these awful actions. And I got excited to, to get into the games myself, but um, I don't know. I mean, there were a couple sets where like he used um, Hartenstein creatively, like leverage his gravity as both a screener and a passer and a shooter a little bit, um, which is not really something the Knicks had last year. Um, I guess Randall, but he wasn't screening all that much. So, um, but apart from that, it was really just the same kind of, um, you know, like one layered actions um, that um, flow into like these, you know, side, side DHOs. So yeah, not a ton of, um, not a ton of new stuff this preseason. There, there was something I was watching the Knicks wizards. And this is very simple stuff, but like I really love when you have players that you can run simple action for and you can get some out of it. You don't have to like run some extravagant, you know, uh, set just to get a great look at the rim. And I'm sure in the playoffs, that's a different ball game. But in the regular season, there was a set where, <clears throat> well, it was a simple action of Jalen coming down the floor. He kicks it up to RJ, um, who's on the strong side um, wing, and they get into like a pistol action. Jalen gets the ball, comes off. 
RJ, you basically just vacates the area, gets out of there, and Mitch Robson comes up for a side ball screen. And it was just that simple. The pistol pistol action just got these guys in rotation. And then now you got Mitchell Robinson coming up, setting the ball screen. And by the way, like I know Mitch isn't the best screener, and I'm hoping he can get better at it because, my goodness, like my it would be nice for Jalen to have a good screener or whoever's, whoever he screens for to be able to, you know, get some good looks off of it. But, um, you know, side ball screen after the pistol. And, and it was just like they put, they put Gafford in a – situation to where he had to choose like am i going to stop the lob that's there or am i am i going to step up on um on jalen and he stayed home for the lob and jalen's got a wide open nice little like five foot floater and it's like just the simple stuff like that um i I, i'm i'm really hoping to see more of especially with jalen and 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 mitch hopefully staying healthy because i know that was a big deal uh especially on nick's twitter um, about how he can't stay healthy, but like last year, he was he did a pretty good job of doing that, and hopefully he can get better at it. But you know, having a lob threat like Mitchell for Jalen is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I, I just love that little. When I saw that, I was like, this is this is it right here. Just just how he's how Jalen's flowing off of it, and you got to worry about him in the mid range, so you're not you can't sag, but also you're putting that defender in a situation where he's uncomfortable because now you got a big old Mitch Rob rolling. And you got to worry about getting, you know, are you going to get that ball put on your head or like, are you going to step? So it's just like, I love simple stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that's all I really wanted to say about that. Well, you guys both mentioned talking about the center situation for the Knicks. Mitch Robb being healthy is super huge for them because he's a great rip protector. Like I was talking to Larry before. Basically, my only complaint with his defense is sometimes he's a little too aggressive in his rip protection and kind of sends the ball into the stands instead of, instead of grabbing it. But I mean, he's, he's, he changes, he's a force out there defensively when they're running drop. I mean, he, he is really good at, at rim deterrence and rim protection, blocking balls, grabbing rebounds. And so him being healthy, you know, I know he had his healthiest season last season. If he can do that again or something approximation of that, that's going to be really helpful. But the guy that I think is going to be really key to the Knicks is, uh, is Hartenstein. Now they signed him for a price that I was really mad that my Bulls did not sign him for. Um, but this guy it was so good for the Clippers last year, and he can I mean, he can do so many things for you. There's there's not a lot that you take off the table with Hartenstein. I think that's why it's so exciting. And we were watching. I was I was watching in preseason whenever he would come on the floor, they could play him a little bit closer to the level of the screen or at the level on defense, which can open up some versatility for you defensively, and. Dude can pass. He can shoot. He's a good screener. I mean, he he just does a lot for you. And at that price, I just think the Knicks got a steal. And I know Oscar, you mentioned it. You're kind of excited to see what Hartenstein can bring, um, especially you know off the bench with Manuel Quickly. Man, Quickly's so fun to watch. He's so he's I mean, really is quick. And you know, Derrick Rose is is more surgical. You know, as he's gotten older, he's, been, he's gotten more surgical, but he's still got that that first step that. That uh, and and that I they're honestly the thing about Derrick Rose that's always been the most impressive to me is his core strength passing midair. <laughs> that dude has the most amazing midair, like after two pump fakes or looking like he's gonna do a reverse layup. He did it again. I was watching that that uh, the Knicks game against the, the Wizards and he hit. I think he hit Obi Toppin or someone in the corner after looking like he was about to do a reverse layup in the air. And he just hit him right, right in the shooting pocket. So I'm really excited to see Hartenstein. 
next to those those backup guards. And also, I think with Brunson, you can you can do some fun things. So, what have you seen from Hartenstein that you've liked so far? And and you know, did you like the signing? And and how are Knicks feel Knicks fans feeling about the signing in general? Yeah, um, I think that um, he'll add like a whole new wrinkle to um, to the Knicks offense, especially the bench unit that um, wasn't really there with Nerlens Noel. Um, this this bench unit with like Ob, um, D Rose, and IQ at, like as the cornerstones. It's kind of been the like I don't know like a top three bench in the league the past couple of years, like just by um, net rating. Um, and Noel Noel's a good defensive player, um, and like especially for a backup center, like you know he's fine. But probably one of the worst offensive players um, in the, in the NBA. He has really bad hands. Um, it was kind of like a running joke on on Nick's Twitter. I think someone set up a, a GoFundMe to get Nerlens Noel prosthetic, <laughs> prosthetic hands. Um, oh man! Yeah. So um, getting rid of a kind of offensive um, black hole like that, um, I think it'll be helpful, especially when you're replacing him with one of the better connecting bigs in the NBA. Um, and I think um, the big-to-big passing with Hartenstein and Obi can be really, really cool. Um, and especially if Hartenstein's like an actual shooter because he, he's been shooting it in preseason. I, I'm not sure what the percentage was, but um, I know he's hit a couple. And the volume wasn't really there last year um, with the Clippers. But, yeah, if he's, if he's shooting um, at volume this season, I think this could be a really, really dynamic bench group. <clears throat> yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, man. Um, and the thing about Hardenstein is too. You you said the the new wrinkle, and he's he's got the uh, enough passing ability, enough uh, enough of a ball handling ability uh, to to do some you know delay action where you put your your center or your your big guy at the top of the key and let some actions happen happen on both sides. Whether it's like Chicago action on the left side, or maybe there's just a pin down happening on the other side, or something like that. So. Um, you can do stuff like that, and I know uh, watching some uh, watching their game uh, against the the, uh, the Indiana Pacers, he had a, a he had a play where they ran a blind pig action where uh, he was at the, the front of the rim. Uh, IQ had the ball on like the left wing, and he, uh, IQ gives uh, Hardenstein the ball like the left elbow, and IQ back doors boom blind pig action. He drops it off right back door, and it's just like you can trust him to make those types of passing reads. And, you know, it's just it's just really cool, a, a cool wrinkle for them that they can do different things like that. You know, you can you can do some some dribble handoffs with uh, with with uh, Evan Fournier coming off those screens or Quentin Grimes coming off those ha- dribble handoffs, getting into a pull up, something like that. So you could you could do things with Hardenstein that you cannot do with Mitch. And that's quite fun. I mean, it's pretty cool to have to have a roster or or two 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 guys at the same position where you can do some different things with. And I think Hardenstein brings that. Um, he rebounds, he passes, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> I, I like this uh, pickup for the, for the Knicks. And he's still young. I mean, he's got a lot of growth, I think, to go. And he's, I know people were worried about him maybe stepping into too much of a role, like as a starter, but I think he could fill in as a starter. And I think it, as a bench piece, he's exactly what you want. He's probably going to be one of the best backup bigs in the, a, in the NBA this year. And he's, and you're adding him to an already, as, as Oscar, as you mentioned, a really, really strong bench unit. 
full of young guys who are quick, athletic, and have a lot of upside. So I actually kind of wanted to ask you about the young guys. There seems to be, you know, a divide on Nick's Twitter. And, and in general, I think maybe even in the front office about the direction the Knicks really want to go. And I, But I wanted to, before we got into the direction, I wanted to ask you, who is the young player on the Knicks that you're most excited to watch this season and why? Um, I'd probably say Emmanuel quickly. Um, he just, he closed the year so well. Um, and really going back to his senior year at Kentucky, like, the like development arc of his point guard skills, like the the driving, um, the passing, the finishing, have been incredible. Like he he was a, I don't want to say like spot up shooter at Kentucky, but definitely not someone you'd expect to be, you know, putting up two triple doubles in one week in the NBA, right? Um, and wow. yeah, I'm I'm just excited to see the continuation of that, um, whether he can sustain the free throw rate that um, he had at the end of last year, after the all-star break, whether he can keep finishing well, keep getting to the rim. Um, and then hopefully um, a little more stability with the three-point percentage. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm worried about it. Um, like we know this guy can shoot, but um, it's been a little up and down over the uh, first years of his career. Um, and he, he takes a really difficult diet. So that's kind of to be expected. But um, yeah, I think the two big things are um, how he develops as a creator, and then also um, a little more, a little more um, consistency from three. Yeah. So is now now Chris is that is that question for me as well, or or do you know? Yes, please. Yes, so, please. So I got to bring up that boy out of Houston um, from Houston University. I, I'm a big Quentin Grimes fan. Um, I truly believe in this dude. I think he's. I'm going to just say it, man. First episode, maybe it might be a hot take. I don't know what it will be uh, when people hear this, but I think this dude should be starting. I think he should mm. be the starter. I think he he is um, already one of the best defenders in the league, in my opinion. Um, and the shooting, the shooting is huge, especially having somebody alongside Jalen in the starting lineup that can really guard. That could be your point of point of attack defender, and maybe you can get Jalen off on the worst player, whoever it is, um, and it just allow him to not have to be in the point of attack. Um, I think Quinton is is a stud, man, um, and I would start him if it were me. And I know I know some people are not going to agree with that, but that that's that's how I feel about Quinton, man. I, I really believe in this dude. I, th I think he's somebody that's going to be able to impact uh, you know winning for this team. Um, the defense alone, but also you've seen flashes of him in the preseason of being able to, to attack tilted defenses off the bounce. Like Quentin, don't be afraid to dribble brother. Like you can do that. You know? So it's like, it's really cool to see Quentin in the, in the game, uh, this, uh, against the wizards, be able to catch attack off the bounce. You know, I, I think he's a player, man. I really, really think he's somebody that Tibbs is going to fall in love with. And here's the deal. When Tibbs falls in love with you, you playing almost all the game. So you you better uh you better be nice but no I believe in Quentin man so that's my guy that I'm looking forward to watching man uh yeah I was going to say if the, as far as the Tibbs love shout out Kirk Heinrich at the end of your Bulls career when you definitely should not have been playing as many minutes as you were but you had the Tibbs love in your corner <laughs> so Tibbs loves his guys you know Larry and I are 
our Bulls fans, we know Tibbs loves his guys, loves playing his guys, and doesn't always play the young guys. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's two there's two different points of contention there. I think that are that are really pissing Knicks fans off this season. And one of them is is Evan Fournier versus Quentin Grimes, and the other one is is uh, Julius Randle versus Obi Toppin. Mm, I think those yeah. two specifically, um, those those matchups, those battles for who should get more minutes are, are you know are making it harder to love Tibbs' decision-making sometimes. But if you look at, you know, what Fournier brings, uh, the shooting is there. The consistent shooting has been a good shooter his whole, his whole career. Uh, you know, and he can also play make. He can, he can put the ball on the floor and, and make plays, make simple reads. You know, Fournier is a valuable player. But as you mentioned, Laro, Quentin Grimes' defense, and he's only, what, is this, this is his second year, right? Yeah. A lot of rookies aren't very good on defense. I know Evan Mobley. Is like an aberration <laughs> to that. This brother, you know, and that's I, yeah, and I'm 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 understating that a little bit, but <laughs> you see, you see with Quentin Grimes the the instincts and the physical tools that he already has. You know, Larry, I don't know if I'll, I'll join you on that island yet, but I think I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be an unreasonable take in the next couple of years. That's going to depend on, on how much he plays. I know he's coming off. I know he's kind of recovering and, and kind of easing back into things right now, but. Depending on where the Knicks go this season, I think I think you might see a change in the lineup, whether by trade or just by natural kind of selection over the course of the season. But I think Quentin Grimes is going to play a lot, and I think he might end up in that starting unit at some point this season. Oscar, I know, have, have you seen these battles on, on Knicks Twitter, and where do you stand with the, the Quentin Grimes versus uh, Evan Fournier angle? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think – Fournier got a lot of um, criticism last year that maybe wasn't all, like totally founded. Um, I, I think that he was just, he, he was an easy scapegoat, right? Like the Knicks were underperforming and Kemba is kind of a hometown kid and Fournier yeah. is you know, next in line. But every, every fan base has to pick a scapegoat for the season. Right, it happens right. every it, year to every team, it seems like. It was, was going to stop Peyton. that. <laughs> Yeah, it was Alfred Payton the year before. Oh man, Payton! I felt so bad for Alfred Payton. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I know what I know. It is what it is. But man, that hurt. That hurt yeah. to watch. No, it was it was rough. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think that the one element that Grimes probably doesn't bring um, that Fournier does is the movement shooting. I think Fournier's shot diet um, is incredibly hard. Like he he. Yeah he takes a lot of, um, a lot of movement threes, especially like leaning out of bounds. Um, and if that's something that Tibbs wants to feature in the offense, um, then maybe you can justify starting Fournier, but if you're just using him as a spot up guy and, you know, a guy who can run some like side actions with Randall, then yeah, at that point, I think Grimes is the better option just because of the point of uh, attack defense, like you said. And, um, yeah, I think that um, even if his handle isn't quite as developed, um, Grimes offer, offers a little more juice attacking closeouts just in terms of, like, ground coverage. Um, and he, he made a couple of nice interior passes in the preseason, too. Um, I know he was a he was a point guard. Um, he was recruited as a point guard um, yeah. at Kansas, and he kind of struggled in that role. Um, and that's something I've been wanting to dive into um, a little bit, like his, his college tape, because – I think that um, he set a really good foundation of like, you know, you know, he can knock down threes um, when he's stationary and we know that he can defend at the point of attack. 
but I think that um, how the rest of his career plays out is really going to be dictated by um, how his off the off the dribble game develops. Grimes would be my pick too. I don't think that's a super unpopular opinion at this point. Um, maybe like give him a 15, 20 game sample of, of, you know, feeding him a little bit of on-ball responsibility, um, see, see how he deals with that off the bench. And if that goes well, then yeah. Uh, the deal is, man, is Grimes, dude. I mean, I in terms of the role, like I'm. This is not. This this isn't me like saying like, oh man, I want the ball and Quentin Grimes' hand. He needs to be coming off pick rolls. And no, 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 no. That's not it at all. What I'm saying is the type of role, the type of skill set that he brings to the floor right now as a second year player, and he's damn good at it. I think he should be the guy especially like no diss to Jalen, but he's not the best defender. He's not, you know, I don't know if anybody would call him a good defender or anything, but like if you can alleviate some of that pressure on the defensive side of the ball for Jalen and allow the young buck to get in there and really be, a, I mean, the dude is a tough, tough defender, man. Like I, I, I want people that don't, that may be listening to this at some point and being like, what is he talking about? You know, like go look at some tape. Go watch Quentin Grimes play defense. And then when you do that, flip over to the offensive side and go watch that brother shoot some jumpers, you know, catch and shoot. And like, just go watch those things. And I I truly believe, especially when you have three stars, like a Julius Randle off the bounce, RJ off the bounce, Jalen off the bounce. You need a guy like Quentin that can come in here and fit and just be that guy that can just get right in he doesn't need the ball in his hands he can he can spot up he's a he's a pretty good smart guy he can he can he knows when to cut he knows how to find a window and and, and to be in the passer's uh vision he's a really good skill set i think to put in the lineup with the guys you have because now you have mitchell robinson that that's going to be that roller that applies pressure to the defense by just being a roller because the dude's going to go up and get that thing put it on your head and then when de- teams have to step up on that, there's a, a tagger. Now you got to worry about Quentin. You going to leave Quentin open from the corner? Hell no. And if I was coaching the opposite team, we going to have a problem because we have to figure out what we need to do, what type of X we need to X out we need to work on because I'm not leaving Quentin Grimes in the corner. corner. That The brother can shoot the ball. I mean, last year he only had four – he only played – what would you say, Chris, before the show? 17 minutes, four shots a game uh, from three, shot 38%. I mean that to me that's that's perfect. I, I would love to have that on the floor. And then now you got Evan Fournier coming off the bench that can give you that 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 scoring punch that can take a little bit more of that shot, uh, uh, take a little bit more of those those shots from the second unit. I mean, I don't know, man. I just see a lot of a lot of good positive things. There's there's not many negatives to starting uh, uh, Quentin Grimes. I think there's a lot more positives. I agree, and I think. A, a, a kind of unforeseen consequence of Grimes versus Evan Fournier is RJ Barrett because having Quentin Grimes out there on the perimeter is going to make RJ Barrett's job a lot easier because if you got Brunson, now Brunson's not a terrible defender. He's, he can work within the system, but he's not going to be that guy out there. And neither, and Evan Fournier is basically a turnstile at this point is, is what I've <laughs> been told by, <laughs> by Knicks fans, but uh, I don't want to slander the man. So if I'm wrong, let me know. But, you know, he's he's not out there holding down the point of attack defense. But Quentin Grimes has potential, I think, to do so and makes R.J. Barrett's job a lot easier because right now R.J. Barrett is that guy. He's going to have to have that responsibility on his plate. 
And if you really want RJ Barrett to succeed, you want to give him as, as much help as he can on that end of the floor, I think. So I'm all a, for it. I think I think Quentin Grimes would, would be the guy. Yeah. I have a question for Oscar. Um, and Oscar, like obviously, um, we're both like, you know, me, me and Chris, we we watch a lot of the central division type type games. Um, and you know, we watch our film, but I wanted to ask you as somebody that watches the the Knicks a ton, um, do you think, for instance, right, they do start Quentin Grimes and he's more of the point of attack guy. Do you think that RJ Bear would be good in like a kind of a Roma role? Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't think that's the best role for him only because, um, his vertical pop off off of one foot isn't the best and he, he doesn't have like super long arms. Um, he's best at kind of like the boring off ball defense stuff. That's still important, right? Like filling gaps and like well-timed stunts and stuff like that. Um, but he's not much of like a defensive playmaker. Like his, his block numbers are super low um, in his NBA career at least. So I probably wouldn't, yeah, I probably wouldn't rely on RJ for secondary rim protection. I think that's really the only reason why he hasn't been um, tried out at the four yet, which is something okay. that I've been asking for for a while. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I I don't think he'd be best as a rumor. Yeah. Cool. I love it because I just want I, look, Oscar. There's a reason why we got you on this show, man. You're so smart. You 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 like you understand ball so much, and and you Thank watch you. the Knicks a ton, bro. So I just I just want to I want all your knowledge just to spill out, man. So I just thought I would ask that question, man, because you know as somebody that doesn't watch that the Knicks a lot, I just you know I wonder what kind of other what other roles he could fill on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so it's really cool to have that feedback. Yeah, there's there's only so much so many things you can see if you're covering a lot of teams or you're watching a lot of games. If you're watching, if you're watching teams every night for years, and especially Oscar, someone like you that has kind of that scouting background and interest, you're looking at guys at a very micro level. A lot of times you can, you know, I always make fun of Laro for this, but you know, these draft guys know a lot about hips and I've never cared about <laughs> hips in my life, but these draft guys are always talking about how flexible people's hips are. <laughs> so you know what I mean? But um, and sometimes it has, you know, I've learned that has a pretty big effect on the kind of things you can do on both ends of the floor and, you know, and your ability to switch and, and be effective in a defensive scheme. A lot of, a lot of times it has to do with your flexibility or, you know, or your vertical pop or different things. So yeah, those little key insights I think are, are going to be helpful for Knicks fans. And I think fans in general to understand when they're watching the game with RJ Barrett, they're going to be able to point that out and see that or see, you know, if they, if they do put him at the four, you know, how's he going to fare as a, as a secondary rim protector or kind of in the, on that back line? Um, I know we talked about Hart and Son a little bit. I wanted to kind of mention Obi Toppin. How are we going to get Obi Toppin more minutes this season? How are we like, what's, what do you think that Tibbs should do with Obi Toppin's minutes versus, versus, uh, you know, uh, Julius Randle and, and, and can they play them together? Like, how, how you know, where do you see that falling? Yeah, um, this, is, this is the question everyone's asking, right? Um, and I think um, to the second thing you said, um, Tibbs basically shot that down, I think, like last week. Um, he was asked plainly how he felt about the OB Randall front court, and he, he, um, he said something about their, their, their net rating. Yes, um, I remember this. Being bad. Yeah, that was, that was big on, on Twitter. Um, I don't know. I mean – 
I, I won't say that I'm, you know, fully sold on them as a front court, but we haven't seen them enough to evaluate that. I think, I, I don't think you can argue with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, the only answer I can think of is, is playing Randall 29, 30 minutes a night, just to get OB that little bit, um, of time with, with, um, maybe not even starting unit, just like a full run with, um, D Rose, who he has such good chemistry with, but, yeah, um, it seems like Randall and Obi are kind of on a collision course. Like, I doubt either are here next year. Um, and I know that Randall is, um, or at least he was shopped this offseason. Um, so at least it seems like the front office is like, it seems like they're ready to go in the right direction um, because Obi is definitely the player I'd rather hold on to. But yeah, um, I don't think that there's really an outcome where anyone is pleased about the minutes distribution at Power Forward this season. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it sucks to hear that. You know, I, I you would think at some point Tibbs would be like a little bit more open to to playing some of the young guys because you got to find out, man. You got to find out what you truly have um, before you just send them on their way, and then you know you. You see them popping off on another team and then your fan base is going to go crazy because you never gave them a shot. So it's just it. I, I hope that at some point maybe he has a change of heart. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm, I'm right there with you on the Obi thing, man. I, I think we just haven't seen enough of it. So, well, and, and you know, you talked about those minutes last year, but you guys didn't have Jalen Brunson last year. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see how that that unit can work with Jalen Brunson on the floor. I think it gives you a little bit more versatility and, and you know, dynamism offensively. So, but you're right. I think ultimately, you know, th this town ain't big enough for the both of us is, <laughs> is going to play out. Um, and that kind of brings me to my last question, which is what direction do you think the Knicks should take? And what direction do you think they're going to take this season? And, you know, what do you see as the outlook both kind of, I don't want like a specific record, but what do you think they should be shooting for this season? And do you think that's what they're going to do? Yeah. Um, I think that through the Donovan Mitchell negotiations, the Knicks kind of tipped their hand in a way. Like, we want this all-in star trade. We don't really value our young players all that much. Um, and we want to compete with Jalen Brunson, uh, Julius Randle. Oh, maybe not Randle. Jalen Brunson and another star. And we want to build with them. Um, that's probably not the direction I would go in. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I, for this season, I know this is this is pretty cynical, but I would not be opposed to to a nice little three and twelve start that gets tips. <laughs> Just coming uh, right out with guns blazing here. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know if that's if that's a hot take, um, but yeah, I I don't really see how the franchise can can move forward with Thibodeau. I think that he's done a lot more bad than good um, as the head coach. And I think that um, I, I know for a fact that a lot of front office members are already kind of fed up with him um, and that he's um, seems to be on the hot seat right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, if you ask me for, for how I want them to start the season. Um, yeah. So to put it nicely, you'd say <laughs> I would like them to be more draft and young player to put a nice little bow on it instead. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's hard because the Knicks are a good team. 
Like I think in any other year in the East, these guys would be like six, like the six to eight seed kind of, you know, I, I just think they're a good team. Like they've got, a, as you said, a really strong bench. Jalen Brunson brings a, you know, brings a respectability to their offense that they didn't have. You know, and if Randall is somewhere in between last season and the year before as a player and RJ Barrett continues to grow with all these young guys, like you guys are in a good spot as far as, you know, your record. I, I you know, I, I think you guys could be pretty good this season. It's just that there's like eight or nine teams yeah. right now in the East that are just really gunning for it. And, you know, including the Bulls, including like the Nets, who, who knows what, what they're going to do this season. The Hawks just made a big trade. The Cavs just made a big trade. Toronto is you know, really, really pumped about their guys. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in the East. And I think the incentives for going the opposite direction are as high as they've ever been with, you know, Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson and the Thompson twins and all those other guys. So I completely get where you're coming from as far as what you think they should do. And, you know, Tibbs is definitely a win now kind of coach. Laro and I know this very, very well. He's going to grind those guys. He's going to grind every win that they can. And so I think what you're saying is if they just come out of the gates, guns blazing in the worst possible way, <laughs> guns blazing into their own feet, I think it may actually be some of the best thing that could happen to the Knicks, which is kind of sad to say because you always want to see a team succeed. And I feel bad like starting out. Uh, with an episode saying, "Hey, look, let's watch these guys <laughs> crash and burn." No, but but it's it's true. Like I think it's a realistic point of view here, which is the Knicks have some pieces that could be really good, but they don't have that guy yet. And I don't even think that Donovan Mitchell would have been that guy for them. And they were willing to trade R.J. Barrett to get him. I think actually the Knicks, I, I think they fell backwards into a better situation. I know they wanted to trade for him. And I think Donovan Mitchell's a great, great player. And he's young enough that it may not have mattered. But I don't mind the fact that, that they might be kind of coerced by record and by the situation around them into playing more of the young guys and, and kind of focusing more on that this year. What do you think, Lero? Yeah, I. it's crazy, man, because like you said, I think that they do have a good team. Um, but at the same time, I kind of i am on the same page as Oscar too because it's like – how far do you really think you could really go with this roster, you know, um, if you do make the playoffs? So it's like you have some young guys. You got your guy at, at the point with, with Jalen, right? Why not just – I could see the thought process of like, you know what, we get, let's let's play our young guys and see what we truly have, you know. And, and if we end up in the lottery, fine. You know, we can, we can continue to and hopefully fight for, you know, try to get a guy like – um, and to be honest, you know, that, that tall French brother and that brother scoot that they, they'll make you think twice. Now they're going to, they'll make you think like, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should fire our guy, our head guy. And then we just play our young guys and hopefully, you know, we want to see our guys, you know, improve, but hopefully we end up somewhere around in that area where we can get that big, tall French brother, you know, but, um, no, man, I, 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 I truly think that this Knicks team will be, I mean, this the whole East, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath. You know, it really is, man. These teams are going to beat each other up and um, man, whoo, it's going to be a tough battle in the East, man. Well, Laro, the one thing that worries me about this though, is 
I don't think the Knicks can be bad enough to really, really mm. tank effectively. Mm. Like they're not going to out tank some of these other teams, especially out in the West, right? You got like four teams are like blatantly tanking. <laughs> and then you got the Pacers who are like, they're going to be bad, even though they still got some good players in the roster. Orlando and Detroit are kind of still too young. I think the Charlotte Hornets made pivot directions very quickly. And maybe even the Wizards too, depending on how their season goes. Especially after the LaMelo injury. That, that was tough. Yeah, I just, tough and start. so I, I, even if even if the Knicks fired Tibbs and traded Randall and Fournier, like they're veterans, like, are they going to be bad? Like those young guys are good. Like their team, oh, they've got a lot of solid guys. I almost think that the best way for them is to take advantage of someone else's misfortune, right? I see what you mean. Some some team like the Nets implode, or you know, some team with with the guy or something yeah. approximating the guy just changes directions. I think the Knicks could capitalize on that situation, like they tried to do with with Donovan Mitchell. If they could find a guy that fits, you know, well with Brunson, with RJ Barrett, with some of these other young guys, and really kind of make that roster a little bit more complete and allow them to compete you know, for the next five, six years. I don't know. Maybe that's a better option. Is is that realistic? Or do you guys think that I'm, that they should just really just try and tank as much as possible? And, and you know, like some of these teams are like inventing injuries in February. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander with, with the Thunder. But is that is that out of the realm of possibility? Or, or what do you think is going to happen this year realistically with, with how bad can the Knicks really be? And, and should they kind of try and play both sides here? Yeah, um, I don't think they'll be bad enough to contend with those um, yeah. openly tanking teams, like you said. Like you said, um, and just to be clear, I, I don't think that firing Tibbs would even be a, a, a tanking move. I think it would make the team better today. Um, and I don't mean to turn this into like a, a Tibbs slander pot, but um, I, I think just o- over the past few years, it's been clear that. He's trying to evolve, but there's not there's there's not enough there in terms of like offensive creativity and like player evaluation. He is yeah. not Thibodeau can't evaluate his own players. Um, he played Alfred Payton over Emmanuel quickly for a whole season, um, and then just last year played Alec Burks at point guard for the whole season. Um, and you know there, there's there's other examples of just. Um, clearly not understanding what his players do well. Um, we were talking about this before we started recording, but um, Tibbs had Randall running drop for two full seasons, even though he he, he really struggled. Like he, he doesn't know how to use his hands and drop. Um, he's not super confident positionally. He kind of just stands at like the free throw line extended and, and waves his arms around. So um, letting him switch, which Tibbs finally did in the preseason, um, is a big thing, but yeah, I think that, um, moving forward with, uh, a new coach sooner rather than later would just, um, help uh, propel the Knicks into their next era. And you know what? I, I'm glad you, uh, kind of clarified there. Cause I, I, I was on a, a roller coaster with you that, I, that you weren't on. Um, but no, like I definitely get, uh, what you mean. There needs to be, uh, like you said, a better understanding of what you have on the team, a better evaluation of what what the players, how the players are on this team, and like you said, the Alex Bur- Alec Bur- Burks uh, starting at point guard was definitely a head scratcher. Um, but yeah, man, I, just I'm amazing right vibes. <laughs> amazing vibes. 
I'm really fascinated by the Knicks this season. They're going to be so fascinating to watch. And I think it's really nice to have them be fascinating from an on-court perspective rather from a drama perspective because the media always focuses on the drama. And I think the Knicks have quietly been a lot more competent and just less kind of cringeworthy in general. I know the Tibbs hire is a counter argument to that in some ways, but I do think that that is going to change pretty soon. As Oscar, as you kind of alluded to, he's already kind of on the hot seat. And I just think that the situation around the league is such that it's going to make that decision easier. And we're going to get some clarity on who the Knicks really have and, you know, what what they can do going forward. So I'm so fascinated by the Knicks. I'm really excited to watch some games this year. Their, their bench is going to be so much fun, Oscar. I really, the bench is what I'm really excited for. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, to, that continued growth of, of RJ Barrett, especially next to Brunson, is, is going to be fascinating to watch. So I wanted to thank you for, for coming on and being our guest, talking about the, the New York Knicks today. Um, let the people know where they can find you besides Swish Theory, obviously. But if you got some in the works for Swiss Theory, let us know if you can give us a little, you know, a little sneak preview. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me, um, first of all. And um, yeah, you can find my draft work um, at Swish Theory, but also um, at the Strickland. And um, for Swiss Theory, I'm working on a new project, um, looking through some historical um, examples of wings who succeeded without um, a three-point shot, basically, in NBA history, because we have this class full of um, dynamic wings with no outside shot with like the Thompson <laughs> brothers, um, Cam Whitmore. I mean, he's um, he's been a little better uh, shooting from deep recently, but still still a little shaky there. Um, there's also um, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, Dylan yeah. Mitchell, a lot of guys who fall into yeah. that boat. So um, yeah, going to be going to be watching some historical players in that archetype and seeing what we can learn. I love it, man. I can't wait to read that. Shout out uh Jarris Walker. Um, started watching film on Keontae George like a couple couple months ago. And then I, you know, started, you know, following some Jarris Walker as well. And I'm I'm a big fan of him, man. So I can't wait to read some of this stuff. Yeah. Thanks again, Oscar, for for coming on the coming on Swish Theory. That'll do it for our first episode. We appreciate you guys listening. We're so excited for Swish Theory and for what the possibilities are. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.